You're listening to Summit Podcasts, where you'll find sermon audio, weekly discussions of the message, the Back 40 Leadership Podcast, and much, much more. Subscribe today at summitpodcast.church and share this episode with your friends. Summit Church, every life made different. Guys, it's very exciting to be here uh, today. My name is Preston uh, Sheldon, not Preston Jersey. Uh, My wife's name is Jersey. Uh, who is somewhere with our daughter. If you heard a baby cry for a second, that was our daughter. We have a uh, almost one-year-old. She is, I see her now, she's asleep with her mother. Um, We are, uh, again, so appreciative uh, to be here with you. I want to first just thank the the church here. Uh, Thank you, uh, Pastor Mel and Kim, thank you so much, Steph and Gil. Uh, Thank you so much for having us here, uh, coming on trips with us, the team who came to Zambia last year. It was so fun uh, for you all to be with us, to to pick up the call of God, to follow all the way to Zambia, Africa, to to the chiefdom of Sipanchunyana with uh, Prudence and Amos. I actually got to uh, visit out on the expedition for a couple days, and if you remember, I brought the Coca-Colas, the glass Coca-Cola bottles, cold, cold, cold glass bottles. We have these really amazing expedition fridges and freezers, and I put in the back of my uh, 4x4 and made them real nice and cold because when you're out in the bush, there's nothing better than just something, just a drink that's super cold, and then to add on like that just sugary caffeinated Coca-Cola and, and it's uh, glass Coke with like real cane sugar. So it is just, uh, it's, it's delicious. So uh, I, I'm thanking you now. I know when I, when I came to you, you guys were thanking me uh, for, for coming. I'm now thanking you all for letting us come here. Uh, it is really a privilege to be here. Um, it, it is our heart's desire as well as yours to see God move in mighty, mighty ways all throughout this world. And it's so amazing for us as missionaries who, um, I mean, really our, our hearts and we want to be boots on the ground all the way, whether it's in Zambia, whether it's in Cambodia or Jordan or Brazil. Uh, we want our, our boots to be dirty. These are actually... My boots are dirty. These are the ones I'd wear everywhere across the world. We want our hands to be dirty. We want them to, 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 to be with the people. Uh, but we have such a heart for you. We have such a heart for the body of Christ here in America because we really believe that God is calling people to the nations, just like myself, calling people to go to pick up the call for, for the nations and also, like Steph was just sharing, for the people to send them as well. You know, th- there's so many people in this room that are called to go in, in different avenues and some of you are called to give. And so I wanna thank you on behalf of the people you're gonna be sending. Thank you for sending them to us because uh, we, we desperately need it. The people, the lost, they desperately, desperately need Jesus. Do you believe that? And that's what I, that's what I want to talk about tonight. I want to I want to talk about the compassion that Jesus had when he walked this earth and how he demonstrated it. 
That's the same compassion and love that we need to have for our brothers and sisters who are lost without a savior. They're, they're the ones that are being tormented day in and day out. And maybe for those who are sitting in this room, maybe that's you. And I wanna say, just like Jimmy was sharing on uh, the man he met in Jordan, that there will be peace upon you in the name of Jesus, that God will completely, if you allow him, come into your life, set you free of any pain, addiction, uh, hurt, depression, he will do it, amen? Um, and so I wanna go ahead, I wanna pray, and then I wanna share uh, a little bit about myself. I wanna share Again, on just the compassion of the Lord, share some great testimonies of what God has done. Uh, but let's go ahead and pray. God, I thank you so much, Lord, for Summit Church, for the other church bodies that are around here. If they're, if they're uh, here in this uh, church, God, I thank you, Lord, that we have uh, a, a great body of witnesses, Lord, to see and taste that you are good. God, we believe everything that you say in your word. And Lord, we just proclaim, Lord, that you are good, you are mighty, you are holy, you are pure. And Father, we worship you. We thank you for tonight. We thank you for your call, Lord, that you call uh, not just the elite Christians, not the, the best looking, uh, Father, not the most educated, Father, but you choose the humble uh, uh, and contrite of spirit, Lord. You choose the one that says, I will pick up whatever you want me to pick up and I will drop whatever you want me to drop. So Lord, I thank you, Lord, for who you are. You are faithful in all ways. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, a little bit about myself. Uh, I grew up in the great state of West Virginia. I don't know if there's any West Virginians here. Uh, <laughs> I uh, grew up in Southern West Virginia and I, I grew up in the church. Uh, I slept under the pews. Uh, you know, I don't, I'm not exactly sure your all's like scheduled throughout the week. Uh, the schedule uh, like for the church I grew up in was like, Sunday morning church service, Sunday evening church service, Bible study on Tuesday, church service on Wednesday, and then like a youth group on Thursday. And you know, there's all these different events that are happening. So I grew up, I, I grew up sleeping under the pews. I, I remember uh, going to sleep and uh, during worship and, or I, I would be in the services as a, as a young boy, uh, hearing the messages that were being proclaimed. Um, and one of the things that I sort of picked up as a, um, as, as a young kid in, in the church was this thought and belief uh, that I, to be used by God, really first, you probably had to be a pastor because that was like the only thing that I really saw was like the pastor getting up sharing something or my youth pastor, whatever it was. Um, and I, <laughs> I just had this overwhelming like feeling like, God, I, I know you love me. I also think you hate me in a way because <laughs> of my sin and things that I've done. And ultimately I really don't believe that you can use me. 
I hear what the pastor's saying about, you know, God can use you. Uh, he can use a sinner. He can use a, you know, a, a someone who is far away from him if he's, if he's willing. And, you know, I, I heard it and I'm like, I believe it, but definitely not for myself. I've really felt like there was a, uh, a disconnect that I, I put myself in when it comes to being used by God. And so I, I lived a pretty, I mean, I would say within very, you know, uh, within this world setting, very good life as a, as a kid. Um, but I, I felt this disconnect from, from God in a way where I felt like I was, again, like I said, not being able to be used by God, but ultimately I had to earn God's love in, in, in a way. And maybe some of you have felt that at times. And I want to say, uh, like, obviously, I say obviously, because when, we, when you read the word, it's very obvious that God, he loves you. He cares about you. When um, you mess up, something happens. There's, there's uh, something called faithfulness, which is God, what God has. And when he says he is faithful, it says he remains faithful. And that when something like that ever occurs, he is quick to forgive. And I, I started walking out my, my life with Jesus um, really by the time I was about 15, 16 years old. And I said, God, I don't think you hate me. I, I think I have a misunderstanding of what you think of me. And I want to read my Bible because not because I have to, but I want to know you more. I want to know the creator more. I want to pray because I really believe I can hear your voice. And I really want to get to know you more. So it, it, that, that sort of started my life really with God, really being in relationship with him, wanting to, to be with him at all times. Um, and I, you know, grew up in good old West by God, Virginia, and, uh, you know, thought to myself, I mean, Jesus, they, they looked at him and were like, Jesus of Nazareth? What can come out of Nazareth? And I'm like, West Virginia? I bet you people feel the same way. When I, you know, I know you and PA definitely know West Virginia exists. I, I would hope so. You're, you're neighboring us. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people don't know West Virginia is a state. Uh, I, you know, I say I'm from West Virginia. They say, oh, Richmond. I got friends in Richmond. I'm like, that's Virginia. I'm from West Virginia. It's like, okay, Western Virginia. So if you go that way, I'm like, no, no, no. And so that's, I started, I started getting this mentality. I'm like, Jesus of Nazareth, like Preston of West Virginia. What good can come from West Virginia? And I was like, I'm going to be like Jesus. So I started really seeking after the Lord, wanting to be more like him. And I, about, I was about 17 years old. And God, I felt God call me to be, uh, or 16, I felt God tell me I was going to be a, a minister. And I said, what, did that, what does that mean, Lord? And I thought, okay. I said, in my mind, to be a minister, to be called to the ministry, you had to be a pastor or a youth pastor. That's sort of your two options uh, here. And after a year, when I, when I was around 17, he told me I was going to be a missionary. And so 
around that time, I went on a mission trip. And I, I, I at this point, had shared my faith with my friends, lived a good life. You know, my, my friends and the people in my school knew who I was, knew that I, I, I was a Christian. I wasn't going to let that, um, you know, I, I wasn't going to let my integrity go anywhere near, you know, failing. I wanted to be high integrity. And so um, I, I had a reputation of being someone who loved Jesus uh, tremendously. And so I shared my faith before, but I was like, God, I, I want to see something mighty happen. I want to, I want to see something happen. So I went on a mission trip and I met this eight-year-old boy named, uh, and he, after, you know, our group was with them, we we're doing like somewhat of like a vacation Bible school. And I noticed that he would have these like real, like, you know, just exciting you know, a little kid, you know, gets real excited, all the adrenaline and, you know, all this stuff. He, so he's running around, but all of a sudden, like he just like will lay on the ground and almost like try to fall asleep. It looked like he was falling asleep, but wasn't. And he was acting real weird. And I asked the people at the church we were with, partnering with, and I said, what, what's going on with him? Like, what, why, does, why does this happen? And they said, his mother's taken him to the local hospital and uh, the, the people there say that he has a sleep deprivation. Um, ever since he was like six years old, he has not been able to sleep more than 20 minutes on and off again throughout the night. Um, they gave him like a, a bracelet of some sort to try to help with it. I, I didn't fully understand that part of it, but um, I started to, you know, ask God, okay, God, you, you're going to use, use him. I know that you can, you can heal him. And so I start talking to him and I'm like, so what, what exactly goes on? Why, why can't you sleep? I heard that you, you have a hard time sleeping and he's, he's young. So he's trying to explain, uh, what, why he can't sleep. And he says, oh, I'm just so afraid to go to sleep at night. He said, I have really, really bad dreams of, you know, he, he's explaining these like basically demons in a way that, that come. He says that Satan comes to him at night and, and he's so afraid that he just cannot sleep. And I'm like, you know, 17 years old. I'm like looking around me, no one's around me. And I'm like, what do I do? He's literally saying Satan like visits him at night. Like this eight-year-old boy saying Satan visits him. And I'm like, uh, and then he like, okay, bye, and runs off. I'm like, thank you, Lord. I don't know what to do. <laughs> what do I do with that? And I'm like, what? And so I, I then go to our, our uh, student minister, uh, you know, his name's Zach, youth pastor. He I said, Zach, you know, sort of told him what's going on. I'm like, I think something should be done. He's like, yeah, Preston, you should do something about it. And I'm like, no, no, no. No, 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 no. I said somebody, some, something should happen. I never said myself. And uh, he's like, no, why, why did you come? Why, you told me why you wanted to come on this trip. Why did you come? I said, I want God to use me in mighty ways. And so he said, okay. 
you should pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. I mean, what, you know, I had said I would be used by God, but I'm still like questioning in my mind. And I'm like, uh, and, and I just look at them like, okay, yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And in the back of my mind, yeah, I'm like, this isn't, he's going to, okay. And so I go to the, I, 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 next day I find, the little, I find the boy and I say, hey, I want to pray for you. And I'm, I'm, you know, shaking in my boots in a way. And I just have this moment the night before where I really sought the Lord and said, I believe you love this boy because there's something in me that loves him so much. There's something, I have this compassion for him when I hear his story. I want him to be healed. I want him, and, and if you feel this, if I feel this way, how much more do you, God, who is his father, feel? And I just, I just have that, that, that revelation of God's heart for this, for this little boy. And so I pull him aside from the rest of the group and I said, hey, I wanna pray for you. I believe that God will heal you. And he said, okay. I pray for him. And I just, I, I pray, and I, I don't know what I'm gonna pray. I honestly, I'm, I'm, I didn't, it's not like I wrote anything down. I, I definitely don't do that as a person to begin with. I'm just like, okay, I'm gonna just go and I'm gonna pray. And I start praying for him and I pray, God, right now in the name of Jesus, anything that is coming against this little boy, this, uh, in his dreams, I pray against in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Jesus, you fill his dreams. You come to him tonight. And then I, that was it. Not a super long prayer, not like an in-depth prayer, but a prayer full of faith, full of conviction, full of compassion for this young boy. And he gives me a hug and then he runs away, goes and plays with the other kids. The next day, I see him like bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, like, like trying to find me in the crowd. And then he sees me and then runs to me, hugs me. And I'm like crying because I already know what's happening. And I just, I just, uh, and I'm like, what happened? He's like, I, I, I went to bed last night and I fell asleep and I slept the whole night. My mom said there was fireworks last night and I slept through the fireworks. And he said, and my mom woke me up in the morning and I went back to sleep. That's never happened before. Jesus has healed me. And he said, Jesus came to me in a dream last night. It was amazing. I've never experienced this in my life. And then we, I just, you know, I'm losing it. It was, it was the first time I'd ever seen this happen through my, my, my prayers, anything like that. And I said, God did this. There's nothing I could have done. You know where that was? That was in Pittsburgh that I prayed for that boy. I wasn't on the mission field. I, I, I did a, a domestic mission trip from West Virginia to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. <laughs> and I saw this little boy named Damien give his life to the Lord that week and see him radically healed in the name of Jesus. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. <laughs> you know, and, and this, is, this is my God. This is your God. 
we share testimonies. I'm gonna, I want to share more testimonies from, from the, the nations and from the field. I want to share testimony about in Cambodia, something God did that was, it was amazing. But I want you to know straight from the beginning, one, Preston from, from nowhere, West Virginia, went to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the Steel City, and saw something mighty happen because God grabbed, a heart, grabbed my heart and I said, don't let go. Use me, Lord. I had this compassion and this conviction about myself that I, I, was, I was ready. I was ready to see God do amazing things through my life. And that's, that's for everyone in this room. It's for every single person who calls on the name of Jesus and says that he is your Lord. Every single person on this earth has the ability to be used by God. And I wanna say first and foremost, it's not so that you can have this great story. It's not so you can be great. It's that one, God, the creator of the world, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, would receive all the praise, all the honor. He deserves it all. Because I can't do that. Are you kidding me? Like, think, think, like, could, could someone talk in the air and heal someone of something that science is trying to figure out with sleep deprivation and things like this. Like literally, like that's, that's what it would be in the physical. Uh, someone laying a hand on someone and just praying to the sky, praying to like just, not praying, they're just talking and saying, be healed. Like that, there's nothing about myself, about you that could do that. It's only Jesus Christ that we can be used in that way. And so first and foremost, it's all to his glory. The, the testimonies you hear, you hear, you hear the compassion in that reality as well. You hear about uh, Todd's, uh, Pastor Todd's about uh, the testimony in Zambia, this drunk man wanting, wanting at that point, nothing to do with the Lord coming and saying, I want to be close to God. I want to be good to my wife. I want alcohol to never be part of my life again. And it took people that had the compassion and the love to travel halfway across the world, then to drive into Sapatunyana, which is probably another, that probably took you about eight hours, 10 hours of driving, maybe more. Um, and then to, to sleep on the ground, to cook over a fire, to poop in a hole in the ground. <laughs> it took, that's what it took because he's worthy. And if he's worthy and we're supposed to be like him, we will also have the love and the compassion that he has. And so I want us to, I want us to open our Bibles, uh, if you have them digitally or 
contextually through your physical Bibles. Um, I want to turn to Matthew. Um, Matthew chapter 9 and 10 is where I'm going to be referencing. If we're supposed to be like Jesus, um, because the reality is that what it says is it's no longer I who live, but Christ that lives within me. That another scripture, it says that our old life is gone and then our new life has begun. And this, this reality where Jesus looks to you and he sees you by his eyes, which are spiritual eyes, and he sees himself, we then have the identity of Christ, which means he sees us that way and we must see ourselves in that way as well. And so when we look at ourselves as, as born again, born of a new spirit, Jesus' spirit, then we act like him as well and we have him and we, we are with him. And so if we're gonna be like him, we should know how he felt, what he said about certain aspects. That's why we have the Bible. That's why we wanna hear God. And so I want us to, to look at Jesus's example and then how this computes for us when it comes to, and you know, this week we're talking about missions. God can use us in many, many ways. And I, I fully believe that. I wanna focus in on missions. Yes, please focus in on serving in the church. Please focus on serving your neighbor and focus on your family, you know, th those things. And I want you to. Tonight, we're gonna focus on missions. Is that okay? So Jesus, the greatest example, how we're supposed to live, what we're supposed to do. In chapter nine of Matthew, um, we sort of just see a list of uh, different uh, miracles that are taking place. In the beginning, uh, he heals a paralytic. Then uh, he calls uh, Matthew to him, uh, talks about fasting, uh, but then it goes into uh, re he, a girl restored to life and a woman healed. He rose a, a, a little girl to life again and healed the woman. Uh, Jesus heals two blind men. Jesus heals a man unable to speak. And, you know, Jesus is doing his thing. The, the thing we know about, we read about, where he's going from town to town, praying for the sick, praying for... Uh, or not just praying, he, he is declaring, he is speaking to them on, on, on behalf of himself, on behalf of the Father. And wh what ultimately is he doing? He is bringing liberation to the captives. He's bringing liberations to people who are sick and dying. He is, he, he is healing people of depression and anxiety. He is bringing hope to the hopeless. He is doing a, a beautiful restoration within everybody he's coming in contact with if they're willing. And 
Jesus is, you know, he's doing, he's doing his thing. He's healing the sick, doing, casting out demons, bringing liberation to the captives. And he, he sits back and he's looking over the crowd. And it says this, and this is chapter nine, verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He looked over the crowd and it says that he had compassion for them. That he looked not by the physical, but by the spiritual and saw that they were being harassed by the enemy. That they, that they were being tormented day in and day out of a plethora of things. You know, all of us here have dealt with these same issues that these people have in in some way or or another, whether it was sicknesses, whether it was uh, depression, anxiety, hopelessness, death, you know, the things that he he is dealing with, he is looking over and he's seeing in the spiritual eyes, even of the people who are smiling, having a great day, he looks at them and says, you do not know me. You do not know my father. I have compassion for you because you are lost. You are sheep without a shepherd. And as he's looking out, does he then go and start talking to every single person again? Or does he go to the next village? No, what does he do? Verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You know, we read this, we, we say this portion. Listen, I, I'm in missions. Uh, this is like a, a key Bible verse. It's like, God, bring the laborers. The, the, the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. We need people to come. And that's what we're doing tonight. Please hear me. Like, I'm, we're definitely like praying this. We've, we've been seeking after this. But sometimes we just think that Jesus is just saying it just to say it. Remember what he, he was experiencing before he said it. It says that he had compassion for them, that they were lost without a shepherd, a sheep without a shepherd. That's why he was saying, pray more people come, which is an amazing thing to think about. If you really think about it, Jesus, if we, if we look at it this way, Jesus, while he walked this earth, he prayed for you to one day do, be a laborer. And he, the, the disciples, the apostles, prayed for you to also be a laborer. And that generations after that and before us have been praying for us to be those laborers. How amazing is that? That through the generation, there has been this baton that's been placed in the hands of the next generation. And guess what? This baton if anyone's ran track, uh, track and field, if you know what the relays, those batons, they're really shiny a lot of times, really nice, you know, no dents, anything like this. This baton's not like that. It is bloody. It is, has tears on it. It is bent. It is broken from the generations before us who have a lot of them. I mean, the 10 out of the 12 disciples were martyrs for Christ. This baton that's being passed down all the way to us 
has had these prayers, send the laborers, send the laborers, send the laborers. Why? Because every single person who has picked up that baton, they didn't pick it up for the glory. They didn't pick it up to, to be seen or to do it out of religious uh, acts. They did it because they had the same heart, same compassion that Jesus had when he looked over the crowd. And so that is the exact same thing we have to carry each and every day in our lives. And so Jesus, he doesn't just say, pray for the laborers, pray for them to, to, to come, to go. He actually makes a game plan for them, for us to go. You realize that, right? He, it says, so in chapter 10, he calls the 12 to him. And it says in verse one, and he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. And then in verse five, so he, he I'll, I'll say this, he empowered them. And then did he say, okay, you're empowered. You're, you, you've, you're empowered from on high. Now stay. Now sit. He said, no. In verse five, it says, go. He's, he said, rather, or in verse six, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without pay, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper, no bag for your journey or a tunic, sandals. And, and then he says, in the, the version, uh, the part that Jimmy also had uh, referenced, Whatever town or village you, uh, you enter, fill out, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave the house. Truly I say to you, I'm going to skip, uh, skip ahead. Just kidding. Realize that when Jesus empowered them, he then said, go. And he didn't just say, go. And I want this to be a personal attack on you if you feel this right now. Because uh, I, th I think that everyone should feel this at some point or another. Um, it wasn't just go and be nice to people. It wasn't just go and pay for someone's meal at, you know, the local, you know, restaurant. It wasn't just, you know, say something nice to somebody. But he said, in essence, do what I have done. Cast out demons, heal the sick, proclaim the kingdom of God because it is at, is at hand. Realize that if we are going to change this world, 
if you, and I believe when I look around, I see people with eyes of fire like Jesus had, where you, you have this, this passion and this burning desire to see the lost found. You have the compassion of the Lord. I see it, I see it everywhere right now. Don't let that be squandered with just doing nice acts for people. Go even further and proclaim the gospel to them. Because how can they receive unless they hear? It's amazing. It, it says that they'll know us by our love. And I absolutely believe that they, they the, the outside world will know the body of Christ by their love for one another. Absolutely. There is, there is a place for loving acts for one another, to give to the poor, to, to uh, uh, clothe the, the naked, to um, protect the widows and the orphans. But if someone dies without actually accepting Jesus, all of that is for nothing. Clothing someone who is naked does not matter in eternity if they do not know Jesus. And I believe like everyone here believes that. But a lot of times we let our fears and our anxieties get in the way of wanting, of, of really seeing God use us. And the amazing thing is Jesus knew this was going to happen to not only you all, but he knew that was going to happen to the disciples. Because after he had told them to go, he said, one, persecution will come. He said blankly, if you are going to do what I do, people are going to be upset. You're going to have somebody that you want to pray for look at you and say, get out of my face. You're going to be in a situation where you're just sharing about the, go the gospel and someone will look at you and say, Christians are hypocrites. They hate people. They hate, uh, uh, you know, this person and that person. They are, you, you, Jesus is not, you know, they will, you will be, and, and this way, obviously there is a lot of real persecution. People that I've met around the world that have been literally physically persecuted because of their faith. But I do believe here in America, we do experience that in ways and I think that it's gonna get even worse as time goes on. And he says, persecution will come. But what does he say in 26? So have no fear for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Fear not. And it says, so everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also acknowledge before my father who is in heaven. He's saying, the father acknowledges you because I have acknowledged you in front of his presence. Why would you fear? You have his spirit in you. You have 
Jesus living within you. Do not fear. He's looking at the disciples in this moment with compassion and a desire for, for the lost to be found. And he's saying, go. You might, fight, you might find persecution along the way. Do not fear. In eternity, trust me, you're not gonna care that your uh, uh, brother-in-law called you crazy uh, on a, a family reunion. In the moment, trust me, I feel that. I, f- I feel it. I've gone on, I've been in America. Listen, and, and Saturday, tomorrow, you know, we're gonna go out to the streets and preach the gospel. I don't know if you guys know that. We're actually gonna, uh, we, if you are, if you want to, and I, I really encourage you, we are going to go out to the community, to Walmart, to wherever, and tell people about Jesus. Not just say, hey, have a good day, or hey, God bless you. No, God will bless you when you enter into a relationship with him. He has died for you. We will actually proclaim the name of Jesus. And there, that is a nerve-wracking thing. I, I, I feel it. But please, please hear the words of Jesus Christ. Do not fear. When you die and you go to heaven, you will not care about what that cashier said to you. I've been cussed out. I've been threatened. I have been, you know, this and that. I'm telling you, in eternity, we will look back and we will want those moments back because we'll see that person and said, I wish they were here with me. I wish they were in eternity with me. That's, that's the compassion we have to have. Eternal perspective where we say, I want my brother to be with me. I want my mom, my dad to be in heaven with me. I don't care if I look foolish. And you might have to say, well, what if I say the wrong thing? Jesus has you covered. If you have a, a, a humble humbleness, a humility about you and you don't walk in this like arrogance or this prideful, I know, I know the truth and you don't and you're not listening and this and that, this and that. It's not gonna work. Love, love is what's going to change. Your brother or sister, your aunt or uncle, your grandparents, your friends, coworkers, that love and compassion where you look at them and say, I know we don't see eye to eye on, on things. Just like Jimmy was sharing how you met somebody who was saying, ah, listen, I'm a Muslim. This is the things I believe. You're not gonna argue your way into, for them to agree with you. What's going to change them is a supernatural touch of Jesus Christ in their life. Where you look at somebody and you say, you are just talking about how you have depression and how you try to kill yourself last year or during COVID. I want you to know, and I say this with complete love in my heart, God loves you. And I believe that if you call on his name, that depression will leave. That anxiety will leave. 
And maybe you're, you're like, I believe that I'm dealing with that kind of stuff. I'm looking at you right now. Jesus Christ will take that depression. He will look at that anxiety in the face and tell it to leave. He has the authority. It says all things are under his feet. He sits and everything is under his feet. It is nothing to him. And so he looks at everything that you are dealing with. And if you're dealing, I, listen, I, I, I see it. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. That sickness in your body will leave in the name of Jesus. And you're going to walk out. I believe tonight, some of you will walk out tonight with testimonies to be able to share that with your loved ones and the people that you wanna see have mighty things happen in their life. We have testimonies to be able to recall back for ourselves in moments we need it, but also to share with one another, to share with the lost, to share with people and say, I was here. I felt the same way you did. And I called on the name of Jesus and, and, and I, I drastically and dramatically changed. I saw a man who was ridden of alcoholism, prayed for him once and he completely changed. That's the mighty power of our testimonies. And so I believe tonight, I believe tonight, some of you will, will experience that and find freedom in the things that you're dealing with tonight. Why, why do we have events like this? It's not to just share testimonies. So some of you who donated uh, have a good story and you can feel you know, good or the person who went on the trip, you can feel good about yourself, things like that. It's to see what God has done and what he will do. The amazing thing about Jesus and what we saw in Matthew is that he doesn't just choose to do it by himself. And you heard this throughout the testimonies. Is it Dave? Dave, is, Dave was saying, I got used by God when I was in El Salvador. God used, through me, God used me. That right there is when you had that reality, we are going to see this, change, this world change in mighty, mighty ways. On Sunday, I believe Jake Schwarfiger, who this church donates to and sends as missionary, Jake and Jesse Schwarfiger and their family, you send them on a monthly basis or however long to the nations that he's gonna be speaking. He's gonna talk about, I'm sure at one point or another, the King of Kings event, crazy things happening within Africa where we saw 30 plus uh, kings, queens, chiefs, 
royal highnesses of Africa come and be part of an event called the King of Kings event where we worship Jesus Christ. Something that has, on this level, has never happened on the continent of Africa. There's something dramatic happening right now because of one simple reason. And we, we sang it earlier. It was, I'm available. We have dramatic things happening right now in the nations, in America too, where people who just say, I am available to be used by you, God. Even West Virginia, born and raised, you know, he will use every single person in this room. That's what tonight's like this are like, or what they're for. Because ultimately, Jesus, he chooses to use you if you're willing and if you're saying, I am available. And I really believe, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking around and I, I'm not seeing by my physical eyes. I don't, honestly, I can't see a lot of faces right now. Uh, I don't know if you know this, there's a lot of bright lights. Literally when I first got up here, I'm, I'm squinting my eyes, trying to see everybody. Um, I can't see your face. I don't know what you look like. I, I don't know you. I'm not looking with physical eyes. I'm looking by the spirit and see that there are people in this room that have a heart for the Lord, a heart to see that, that lives get transformed by the preaching of the gospel through signs, miracles, and wonders, that you have a compassion and love to see the lost reached. I see that right now. Do not disqualify yourself because you're saying I'm too young or I'm too old or I have too many responsibilities or I, I don't have the education uh, like my pastor does when it comes to the word of God. And uh, I don't have the, the crazy miracle testimonies. Uh, there's no way. Do not disqualify yourself. You can it is possible for a believer to disqualify themselves and not be used by God. Even though God, the creator, does not disqualify you and actually gives you the ability to change this world for him through signs, miracles, and wonders, through the love of Christ. So if you're trying to disqualify yourself, stop. He has called you. He has purposed your life. He sees where you've been. He sees where you're going. He does not disqualify you. He has a purpose and a calling for your life. And right now, so you might be thinking, well, I don't know if he's called me. I hear you, Preston. He hasn't disqualified me. But I still haven't really, you know, heard from him yet. I, I want to I confirm something right now. Um, if you're looking for the word of God over your life right now, if you're, you're looking for God to speak to you, two confirmations. One, the Bible. Do you remember, do you remember what the Bible's called? It's the word of God. 
God's word, God speaking. So if you're looking for God to speak, look to his word that he has spoken, is speaking and will speak. What does it say? That all are called. All can be saved. All can be used. Confirmation number two, if you're looking for two confirmations. I believe that we can speak on behalf of God. How do I know this? The word of God. So going back to confirmation number one. So God can speak through us. I'm telling you on behalf of God right now that he has called you. So if you're looking for God to speak to you, he has spoken. Don't be like, ah, I need to go pray about it. I, I, I need to hear uh, him for myself. He has spoken. Stop thinking that you're gonna go pray about it when really you're probably gonna forget as you walk out the door. If you're looking, you don't need to spend hours in the prayer closet. He has spoken. He will speak. He is going to keep speaking it over you. Whether you're male, female, black, white, young, old, poor, rich, educated, not educated. He has spoken. You are called. You are his mouthpiece. You are his witness. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you're looking for God to speak, he spoke it. He is speaking to you. Do not disqualify yourself and do not deny God's word by belittling, belittling him because that's what you're doing. When you disqualify yourself, you're disqualifying him, which he is God, the creator. Do not do that to him. I wanna share one last testimony. I, I wanna share this uh, sort of as, as we somewhat wrap up the night. And I'm sorry, I, I meant to, I had a timer on my watch. I got this new watch and I was you know, playing around with that. I put on a timer. I, I forgot to click it when, when I needed to start. Um, I'm a missionary. I don't work with technologies. <laughs> um, I want to share a testimony um, from Cambodia for those who are looking. Uh, if I know that there's four different trips internationally that this church is going, Ireland, El Salvador, Cambodia, and Zambia. Cambodia and Zambia are the two that are going with Overland Missions, uh, which um, the, some of us are here uh, a part of. I wanna, I wanna share testimony from Cambodia. Um, I had, this was 2018. Uh, I had 
that year gone through a pretty traumatic time in my life. Um, and basically what God told me was if you're willing, I'm already ready for you to continue to do my will. Basically, traumatic event, which a lot of people say, take time. Why would you go back to the mission field, stay back home, find restoration, things like that. God said, I have restored you. I will continue to use you if you let me. And so I said, God, I wanna go. So I, uh, I left America, um, went to Cambodia, and uh, this is 2018. I joined, I've been a missionary for about eight years now, so uh, about four year, or three years or so uh, at that point, been on the field. And I went to Cambodia, um, amazingly not broken because that's what God does through even trauma and, and crazy things, that ultimately I was not broken. I should have been in the world's standpoint, but I wasn't. I was going in Cambodia, I was leading these expeditions, um, and I had a, we had a team come over with us. And we sat down with this man uh, in, in Cambodia, um, who, if you're looking to go to Cambodia, um, you should look up the history or anywhere you travel, look up the history, look where, where, where the people have been, where they are now. Um, crazy, crazy uh, history um, back in, you know, 60s, 70s. Uh, after the Vietnam War, there's a man that rose into power in Cambodia, which if you don't know where Cambodia is, Southeast Asia, right next to Vietnam, south of China. Um, a man named Pol Pot rose into power in Cambodia and he started a regime called the Khmer Rouge uh, who killed, um, I believe it was a third of the population of Cambodia. By historical standards, the per capita of like one single country, the worst genocide that's ever happened in this world. Um, a third of the population killed within a two, three year span. Um, communists, communism killing basically everybody to make sure that everyone was on an equal playing ground, equal playing ground. And um, basically a whole generation killed. We sat in front of this man who was what, 70, 80 years old. Um, sometimes you don't really get to meet a lot of older people within Cambodia because they were killed during that time. And we sat down with him and he was blind. And we sat down on the ground with him and we're just talking. Uh, we have a translator, so he's, uh, we're speaking English into Khmer. Um, and we, you know, I just asked him, you know, what's your life been like? What has happened in your life? And he said, I haven't always been blind. Um, when I was a young man, I was married. I had two kids. And uh, when the Khmer Rouge came into power, uh, my wife and my two children were killed in front of me. 
and I was beaten and basically almost to death and then they somehow, he somehow got away. He had fled to the jungles and basically for years, decades, didn't actually know that the Khmer Rouge ended up being taken out of power because when you're in the jungle and you have no cell phones and you know, this is you know, 70s, 80s. And he, he then, um, I mean, and through this process too, he is, he's like tearing up, which in, in Cambodia standards, uh, you don't really show that emotion in front of other people. You want to save face and be, you know, stoic in a way. And he said, I, I watched them getting killed in front of me. And now I, I, I've become blind. My, and he, he pointed, um, like, basically was like, where's my wife? He, he ended up remarrying. He said, uh, where's my wife? And she came, came to him and like touched her and said, my wife, uh, something's wrong with her brain. I think she had Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's and, uh, or dementia or something. And he said, I, he looked, he looked, you know, and he said, I have no hope. I don't know what to do with my life. I, I, I have gone through this traumatic event and I can't, I keep reliving it every day and I don't know what to do. I want to die. That's what he told us. I'm, I, I'm, this is complete honesty. He, and this was, you know, we hadn't even shared anything at that point. We had just, you know, just conversation. This is my name. This is where we're from. And before we ever told him about Jesus, which in Cambodia, they don't believe in a God. They believe in, they're, you know, Buddhists. They believe in Nirvana. And there's this possibility you can reach this highest heaven, but really you have to be perfect. And really only a couple people have really been perfect to meet this standard. And he's like, I, I have no hope. I can't live up to that standard. I don't know what to do. And this is before we've shared anything. We said, we believe that there is a God. This God created the world. He created everything. The animals, the trees, the water. And he created you which means he created your eyes. And I believe right now that he will open your eyes and you'll be able to see. And so we began to pray for him and it was a simple prayer. God, restore his eyesight right now. We believe you, let it be done. We speak on behalf of you, Jesus, be healed in the name. And I had my eyes over his, over his, or my hands over his eyes. And before he had like this white film over his eyes. And I'm not kidding you, like, boom. Like I saw them start to go from complete like white and then start to just get clear and clear and clear. And then he's just like, almost like can't stop looking at one spot. And just like, just starts crying. And then all of a sudden just starts like looking around and just, he, he, he starts to see and he's just almost beside himself. And he is, uh, I mean, listen, 
could not see a second ago and is now seeing. And he's like, I see my wife. I see she's sitting in the hammock over there. I see you. And, and we started, it's like, how many fingers am I holding up? It's like, Bram, which is five in Kamai. Bram, yes. How about, how, what about now? Moi, Moi, you're, you're, you're holding up one finger. And, and this, this traumatic, uh, supernatural thing just happened in his life. And he is completely wrecked by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the healing and the manifestation of Jesus Christ in that moment. And then he said, whatever you have for me, I believe. You know, ha, ha. if you get touched by Jesus in that way, you don't need to tell me anything in the, in the, in the Bible. I already believe it. And so we began, we said, Jesus, so God, who's the creator, you know, he, he created us. And he's like, he's like this, he's just hungry. He's just hungry. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, created everything. There was separation from God. And then Jesus, he had a plan and he sent his only son to this earth to die for us. He died for your sins because that was the payment that needed to happen. And there is no perfect person, but Jesus was perfect in all ways. And he bore your sins. And now not only are your eyes healed and you can be restored, but also your spirit and your soul can be healed and, and restored right now in the name of Jesus if you believe and you'll be one with him again and you'll be restored supernaturally by the spirit, new life, new, new reconciliation in your life right now. Do you want this? He's like, I already wanted it, you know, when you prayed for me, you know? And this tre just tremendous thing, Tremendous thing. And he is absolutely beside himself. We are celebrating everything. And all I could, and this is reality. When we walked up to the house and I saw his blind eyes, there was a moment where I, I was tempted to not, to doubt. I, I knew what we were about to go do and I saw his eyes and I thought to myself, and, and this was the devil, tempting me. I wasn't in sin. I didn't, I didn't disobey God, but the devil was trying to speak to me. And he said, you just went through this traumatic event and you really think that God is now going to heal his eyes. There's no way. There was a second of like hesitation, a, 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 a second of temptation to not want to go talk to that man. And then he took me back to when he stood up in front of that crowd. And I saw that man by the spirit and had so much compassion and love for him. Hearing his story, I, my heart broke for him. And that, that is how we see mighty things happen. And so if I can have uh, someone within the worship team come, I. I want to spend, if this is okay, um, I want you to take a minute. I want to, I want to pray a general prayer. But the great thing about love, the great thing about a calling is that it requires an action. And so I want this time, again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna praise, but then I want 
you. If you're like, I have this burning compassion in me. I, I heard these testimonies and I, and I said, this is the Lord and I wanna be used in this way. I want, I'm, I'm called, I believe it. If you feel called to the nations, if you feel called to go on one of these trips with Summit Church, whether it's with Overland Missions to Cambodia or Zambia, or whether it's to El Salvador or Ireland, please. We have souls, people dying every day, not knowing that Jesus died for them, that he loves them, dying without hope. And so they are waiting on him, which means they are waiting on you. We need you. Listen, I'm not trying to play a tug at your heartstring, say the right things to get you to sign up and, and go on a trip, things like that. Listen, I'm, I'm recruiting right now, not for Zambia or Cambodia only. Go to Ireland, go to El Salvador. You don't have to come with us. I'm not trying to manipulate anything in you besides call what God has already called in you, which you feel it. He has called you, he has equipped you. Now go. And so I want, to, I want people after I pray to come forward, take an action to what the Lord has. And if you are sitting there and saying, I need prayer for, for my soul right now, whether to receive Jesus or to just be loved on, to, if you're dealing with depression, anxiety, a physical ailment, if you are sleep deprived, if you have eyes that do not work well, if you have, uh, uh, like the man in Jordan, anxiety and depression, come up here, be healed in the name of Jesus and walk out with a testimony to be used not only here in Indiana, Pennsylvania, but also throughout the world. I want you to also come forward and be prayed for. And so I'm gonna pray. And as that time for the uh, Overline guys and, and staff as well of this church, please feel free, come forward. We wanna pray for you. We're gonna have people up here to, to talk to you, to pray for you, to commission you, to go. And if you need anything, they will pray for you. So God, I thank you. Lord, I thank you every single person in this room. Father, you have done something in our lives that has completely changed us. And I pray that right now you bring forth memories of times that you were working in their lives. God, remind them of their testimony. Remind them of the mighty things that you've done in their lives, through their family's life. God, I thank you for those. You are an amazing, amazing father. You love us, you care for us. Now God, just as we have received without payment or anything, Lord, let us be the ones to give it 
Let us be the ones that want to show and to speak and to pray and to see mighty miracles happen. Lord, it is by your word and by your spirit that this world will be changed, not because we want more numbers in the church, not because we want more people on the mission field, but Father, we want more people in eternity, God, that will will be with us, Father, that we will see every tongue, tribe, and nation, and Father, we will not stop until you come back. Father, we will continue to work. We will continue to uh, uh, pray for everybody in our life, Lord, and I pray that there would be action, Father, here tonight. Let every doubt fade in the name of Jesus. Let every uh, lie of the enemy of disqualification be gone in the name of Jesus. You are called, you are equipped. So God, we thank you. Thank you, Lord. So come. For the guys... You guys can come. Come. If you want to put action to what you're feeling right now, if you want to go on a mission trip, if you feel that call on your life right now, come and be prayed for. Gain more information. We'll be out there as well. But right now, I want to pray for you. And if you need anything over your life, we'll pray for you. So come. If you enjoy this content, please let us know by rating and reviewing the podcast. You can also contact us at summitpodcast.church. Remember to share this episode with your friends and on social media. Summit Podcasts can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Thank you for listening to Summit Podcasts, and we will see you in the next episode.